You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. The message is entitled, It Takes Two. It Takes Two. And I'll be sharing a word for 2022 and beyond. So usually each year I seek the Lord for a message for 20, for whatever the year is, whether it's 2020 or 2021 or 2022. And this is what God's put on my heart for 2022 and beyond. Now I've already been sharing... Uh, things that the Lord has put on my heart, but this will complete what we've been talking about. And this is the third message in dwelling with God. So we're going to still focus on this subject of dwelling with God. So if I can get all of you to stand uh, for the reading of the Word, and I like to do that in honor of the Word. I'm going to be reading Matthew 18.20. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, and then 9 through 12. So Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. That's Matthew 18, 20. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 6, 9 through 12. One handful of rest is better than two fists full of labor and striving after wind. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, and then verses 9 through 12. So if we could put our hands on our hearts, please, and even those at home, and pray with me nice and loud with conviction. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. And change my life in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. So, Father, as we're sitting here, as we're beginning, I'm asking that you would lift me up, that you would help me to share what you want me to share, to be on target, to share your words, and that you would give these words wings to go into places that you wanted to go to, And that most of all, we would be doers of the word. So give me grace and let us be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I hear an amen again? So the theme is it takes two, God and you, to bear fruit. 
to bear the fruit of His kingdom. So let me say that again. It takes two God and you to bear the fruit of His kingdom. Now the you is both you singular as well as you plural. There's an amazing thing that happens when you dwell with God and God dwells with you. You find rest, deep rest, authentic rest for your soul. Now when you're dwelling with God, now you're working with God and He is working in your life. You no longer have two fists full of labor and striving after the wind. Instead, you are yoked to Jesus and He is bearing the brunt of the burden. So it was the day after Christmas, uh, 2021, just last year. And I was worshiping the Lord and singing in the Spirit. At the same time, I was praying before that, Lord, give me your word for 2022. What do you want to say? That's something I often do. And I'm praying that every week. Give me your word for this week. Give me something to feed your people. And what, are they, what do we need to hear? And... I began to sing in the Spirit, and so I was singing in the Spirit, singing along to worship, and as I was singing in the Spirit, words came from my mouth that I'd never expected to come from my mouth, and the Holy Spirit moved me to sing, it takes two, it takes two, and then he, he led me to sing, it takes two in 2022, it takes two in 2022, so I wrote it down in my journal, and, and and listen, I laughed too. Uh, I wrote it down in my journal and I began to test the word. And I felt it was an important word for 2022, but it reminded me of a 90s hip-hop song. You know, with I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I want to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone. <laughs> And so it reminded me of that, and I was like, oh, no, Lord, I don't want to uh, uh, be talking about that. But no, no, this is different. This is different. And so I didn't want to preach on it, and I tried to get rid of it, and yet it stayed with me. And next thing you know, the Lord began to walk me through Scripture, emphasizing the importance of twos partnership and mateship, the, important, the importance of twos, partnership and mateship. So, point one is this, and it's the title of the message, It Takes Two. So if we can all say that together, It Takes Two. And I want to go to Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and this is a classic passage all of you would know it, but I want us to look at it with some fresh eyes. So Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is where we need to start. This is where we need to begin. Now this morning I was reading this in the Greek and I want to bring out some things that can be lost in the translation. 
but it's quite self-evident reading this in the English. It starts off just like we start off here. Come to me. Jesus is calling for us to come to him. So he is the place of real rest. But all who are weary, the word weary is, could also be translated as worn out. And when we're, not, when, not, when we're not dwelling with Jesus, when we're not intimate with him, when we're not close to him, coming, when you come to someone, you're close to them, so you can hear their voice, you can even hear their breath, and, and you experience them, the fullness of of who they are when you come to them. And so Jesus is saying, come to me. All those who are worn out. Now, have you been worn out? <laughs> Life has a way. Life has a way of wearing us out. Life has a way. And everything with COVID and all the changes and the constant, and especially if you're a manager of a business or a leader, you're trying to navigate the, con the government keeps on keeps on changing the goalposts and the rules and what do I do now and how do I be compliant and it is it can be quite stressful and that is for those who are managing something or leading something but also just the common person and everything that's going on in the world there is increased stress but here's what the Lord is saying through that increased stress is come to me there's a lot of wind blowing around, as we talked about in the weeks before. There's strong winds, but that's for a purpose. The Lord allows them so that we could come to Him for shelter, so that we can come to Him for, to refuge, and He Himself is the refuge. He Himself is the shelter. So here it begins. Jesus is saying, come to me. All who are worn out, heavy laden, this is like overburdened, overloaded. This is the idea of the word, overloaded, overburdened. And we can even be doing good things, religious things, nice things, and yet because we're not doing them with Jesus and Jesus is not the leader of it and the one moving us to do it, we can get overloaded and burnt out. And then it goes on to say, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Well, interestingly, this word rest is like our word, in that word in the Greek, is like our word pause. So I believe our English word pause comes from the root word there, which it sounds like pause. And so when we're coming to Jesus, we're pausing. We're pausing again. And we need to continue, continually come to him to pause. And also another way that that can be translated is, I will revive you. So it could be, I will give you rest. I will revive you. I will restore you. The idea is of revival and refreshing and restoration. There's been some people that says, oh, there's no uh, revival in the Bible. But it's because they're not reading it right. And also, sometimes words get lost in translations, but the theme of revival and reviving is constantly over and over in Scripture. And this is one of the examples of it. So it could, Jesus is saying, I will revive you. I will refresh you. I will restore you. So in coming to him, that's where we're refreshed, 
where we're revived. And that's where we need to lay down our burdens. And I want to encourage you when we're worshiping the Lord, lay your burdens down. Lay them down. Don't keep carrying it. I've seen people come to church and they come with their burdens and then they seem to leave with their burdens. They never leave them with God. And how do I know? It's because I'm walking out the door and it's all the burdens that they're putting on me rather than putting on Jesus. Now, I am here to help share the load and pray with you. So I'll ask you, you know, how can I pray for you? But I would think that if we're coming to Jesus, we would be laying down the burdens. And we would then, the Lord would be taking them away and we're forgetting them. So let's really do that. Amen? Amen? Let's really do that. Let's really lay down our burdens. And Jesus then goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, that yoke is not talking about egg yolk. I remember when my pastor used to teach it. And I was like, why is he saying, take my, take my egg yolk? I didn't understand. Of course, growing up in the city in New York, uh, well, the suburb area in the city is quite densely populated in New York, uh, wherever you are, except up no, upstate New York is not as populated. But uh, I would be... I. I didn't know about farms. I didn't know about yoking oxen. And so I was thinking about eggs when my pastor talked about that. <laughs> so what is a yoke? The Aussies will understand this more. You know, it's a bar. It's like a, and the word, the word can also be used for a balance. It's like a balanced beam. And so it attaches two oxen together so they can work together. And so they can carry the load together. And so Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. This is the whole idea of discipleship. Same, uh, same root word there for being made a disciple. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find refreshing, restoration, revival for your souls. I am gentle and humble in heart. Now here's the thing. You yoke yourself to the wrong person, and they're not gentle and humble of heart, they're going to kind of consume you and weigh you down and get on your nerves. <laughs> but Jesus is gentle, humble of heart. There's that humility. There's that gentleness in Jesus. And we're to learn that gentleness and humility. And it seems to me that Christians have become so, quote, unquote, zealous for the truth that they, and it's, you can see it on the interactions on uh, social media, so zealous for the truth that we're killing people. You know, we're waving our swords so much that we're killing everybody and we're cutting off their ears and they can't hear us and they're running from us uh, because we haven't learned from Jesus to be gentle and humble in heart. So there's two, you know, on one side, we do have to stand for the truth. No compromise. And especially for the truth in our own lives. Sometimes we're trying to get someone else to believe the truth or do the truth. And how about us? How about you yourself? That's, the most, that's where it starts. That's where it begins. Are you with me here? And so, yeah, no, no, no compromise for myself. And then I'm a witness and a light. And then that becomes contagious. 
there's the, the conviction of the truth, but also we need, with conviction, we need the compassion. The compassion of Jesus, that gentleness, that humility. And we can only learn that with being attached to Jesus, being close to Jesus, walking with Jesus. We learn that gentleness and humility through being close to Jesus. I had to learn it because New Yorkers are quite critical. And you look at the... Where's Gideon? I'll have to talk to Gideon. He's probably tired from all of his night shifts and everything. But uh, we're Knicks fans in our house. And Gideon got us to be Knicks fans. That's Knicks basketball. And uh, the, if you do bad on the Knicks team, you know, you could, last year they were yelling at one player, MVP, MVP, MVP. And so last year the whole crowd was chanting MVP to this one player on the Knicks. This year he hasn't been playing as well. I still think he's good, but he hasn't been playing as well. And people are booing him. And this is the fans. This is not the, that's not the enemy's team, you know, so to speak. This is the fans and all the criticism on social media. Knicks fans, because the New Yorkers can be quite rough. And I had to learn to be set free from a judgmental spirit and a critical spirit. And God did that work in my heart while I was in New York and especially in the revival in Pensacola. Well, I had to be set free from that. And I think a lot more people need to be set free from that judgmental, critical spirit. And how did I get set free? It was walking with Jesus, learning his humility and gentleness. And, uh, and if I ever fall out of line, I have my paraclete, my, my wife. <laughs> I have my wife who's going to remind me. You can't get away with anything in our house. I mean, the moment your attitude goes a little out of line, the moment, you know, you don't do your chore or something like that, that's it. The rest of the family is on you. And uh, so you don't get away with much at our house. So it's constant accountability. <laughs> <laughs> so, as many of you know, a yoke attaches two oxen. And it attaches two oxen as they work together. And the yoke lightens the load of the plow because if you're doing it yourself independently, the plow is going to be very heavy to carry. But if you're with another, then it makes the work more pleasant when you have a partner. Pulling a heavy weight by yourself is no fun. And uh, this week we had an adventure because we made an improvement in the Bible school and we had to improve the, uh, we, we had the projector, but the project, projector was uh, way overdue to be replaced. And it was just about to die after 12 years of really good work. And so uh, I was weighing things up and uh, shopping, what's the best, most economical way to go about this? Because projectors can be expensive, especially ones that are going to do a good job. You can buy a cheap one, but that wouldn't be uh, good for the Bible school. So 
we ended up getting a, a big TV, you know, big TV so that it, and so now the experience at Bible school of reading the words and everything should be better. And uh, so, but we had to carry this thing. And uh, it couldn't be too small because otherwise you couldn't see the words. And it couldn't be too big because I didn't want you to think that we uh, were the Rockefellers. You know, the Rockefellers are the, the rich ones in New York. We weren't. It had to be economical. Basically, it had to be cheaper than the, I was trying to go for something cheaper than a projector. And so we, but it also had to last. So Anna and I, we worked together as a team, and we carried this thing. And when it went into the car, we have a big kind of car, I thought, boy, this thing is bigger than I expected. They just got in the car. And then we had to carry this thing. Anna and I worked together. We had to carry these, this thing through the streets of the city. And uh, here it is, Anna and I working together as a team. If I would have done it by myself, it would have been uh, really impossible. But we were uh, carrying it. It's kind of falling. And we just, I thought, what if this thing doesn't get into the lift? But it just got, because the lift is small where we are. But they, it just got into the lift. Because oh the box is bigger than the actual TV itself. So it got into the lift, and we were working together. And it's a good thing. My wife is a strong woman. <laughs> she said to me, it's a good thing you didn't marry a little frail thing. <laughs> you know, all the, even little women can be strong. And here it was. But what really, what really got me is we were, in the, we were kind of tired, a little bit stressed. And then you got to set it up. And when it says, do you want to pay, you know, like about $100 to set it up, I usually don't do that because I don't want to spend $100. But as I'm ripping the box and trying to do it, I'm thinking, boy, I should have paid that money to get this thing set up <laughs> and delivered. So, but we're doing this. And... Uh, and then what really got me is I, I have something that some people know about that affects me sometimes. And that is the, uh, uh, sometimes the noise of chewing or sucking really bothers me. Does anybody have, have that? Where they can't really hear chewing. Yeah, a couple, couple of people will pray for you to be delivered at the end. Um, <laughs> and I had this thing that sometimes it happens when I'm tired or stressed. And at that time, doing all this, I was a little bit tired and, and stressed. And, and, then I'm and then Anna puts this sucking candy in her mouth as we're doing this work, working together. And I'm thinking, Jesus, help me. Because it, it really it kind of affects me. Help, help me. And she was on the other side of the room, but I'm trying to get, you know, screw in the TV, make sure it doesn't fall down. And I'm like, Jesus, sweet Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm, I'm breathing, breathing out. And then eventually I do, I pray that. And then eventually I say, please, can you stop the loud sucking? <laughs> and, uh, or, or, and so I was like, please stop that, Anna. And, but in all of that, in all of that, we were able to do it. And we worked together as a team. And we're still married. There was... <laughs> 
There was no, there was no big fight over it. But he, this, is the, this is the thing with uh, Jesus. Jesus is perfect. And even as we're walking with Jesus, we may not be, uh, we could get annoyed by him because we don't like something he says. I don't want to be meek. I don't want to be gentle. There's things in our souls that can arise that get angry with the Lord. And yet, we need to learn from him. We need to learn from him. Now, the, that's all, that was all my introduction. No, I'm just joking. No, I'm not really going fully on the notes here. The Bible begins with duets of Genesis singing out. You know, you see these pairs, these couples, these duets of Genesis singing out. The heavens and the earth, the evening and the morning, the seas and the dry land, the greater light, which is the sun, and the lesser light, which is the moon, the fish and the birds, or the sea creatures and the flying creatures. You always see these two put together and contrasted and separated in Genesis chapter 1. The animals and man, and then male and female, and the Lord and his Sabbath. The two are separate and distinct, but as they work together, it's very good. And in the end, God sees, and he, he sees, and he sees that it is tov meot, very good as many of you know, who was when we were studying Genesis chapter 1. The night, though, without the day is not good. The land without the waters is not good. The sun without the moon is not good. A male without a female is not good in the greater sense of things. Humankind without a Sabbath rest is not good. But when the two come together... There is life, there's balance, and there's fruitfulness. And that's how the Bible begins. The Bible is full of pairs and partnerships. The men and the animals came to Noah's Ark in pairs. You see the, the pair or the duo of Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Isaac, Moses and Joshua, as we're learning at Bible school, and we have one extra week where the registration is open, so if you want to be a part of that, you can come this Monday night. And we've already had a great start, and I'm looking forward to an amazing adventure ahead. And if you're online, you go to brisbanefire.com, and you can be a part of that. So we see that Joshua begins off with Moses and Joshua. And we see the pair of Joshua and Caleb. We have a Caleb here. Joshua and Caleb that brought the, they were the spies, and then they brought the good news. We see Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Timothy. And most of all, the most important pair is Jesus and you. <laughs> Say that with me. Jesus and you. Or Jesus and me. That's good. Jesus and me. That's the most important pair. When, you, when you're saved... God works to break your stubbornness so that you don't live independently of him. Now, I could think if I tried to do it myself with that, bringing that TV in, I would have 
the thing would probably be broken and I would have wasted the money. And men have a tendency to be like that. We want to be independent. We want to do it our, ourselves. Sometimes it can come out of a good heart. I know for Anna and I, we don't want to burden or trouble somebody, uh, so we'll do it by ourselves. But the Lord wants to break us out of that mold, and he wants to teach us that it's so important that we do things together in a marriage together, in a family together, in a church together. It takes two. And that two means two, but it also means togetherness as well. So when you're saved, God works to break your stubbornness so that you don't live independently of him. And Jesus says, come to me, but he doesn't just say, come to me and go away. Come to me and go about your own business, leave your burdens, and then go off and do your own thing. He says, come to me and then be yoked to me. In other words, be attached to me. Be plowing with me. He invites us into his work, and his work is the harvest field. His work is the souls of men, like Daniel and Diane were sharing, is sharing the good news, spreading the gospel, building the house of God. This is his work to bring, bring light and salvation and restoration to the world. So he restores us, he revives us, then he takes us on board so we join with him in his work and that we revive and restore others. Not by replacing him, but by leading people to him and then walking together. So he says, come to me, and then the next thing is us being attached to him. And that's where discipleship happens. Us and Jesus walking arm and arm. So this is where I need to get Anna, if you can come forward. This is how we need to see ourselves with Jesus, is that we have our arm around, and, yeah, and we're walking together with him. This is what it means to be yoked to Jesus. Dun, 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 dun. This is what it means to be yoked to Jesus. You're in that close relationship. You're walking together. You're walking simultaneously. You're not breaking away and running off on your own. So what the Lord wants to say to us is we need to stop living independently of him. And really be close in that attachment. And when that happens, we start becoming like Jesus. We start changing. We're, re we're transformed. It takes two. Jesus and you for his kingdom to be manifested on earth. And, I, and what I see is that the problem with the church, especially observing the last two years, is we're trying to bring the kingdom without Jesus. We're trying to bring the kingdom without that closeness, without that intimacy, without dwelling him with him. We're trying to do it in our own flesh, in our own strength, and we're doing lots of good things and saying good things and saying truthful things, but we've lost his heart, and we need to get back to his heart, get back to Jesus. By choosing the way of covenant, the Lord decided to become interdependent with us. As Abraham Heschel, the great Jewish scholar, used to say, God chose to need us, even though he did not need us. 
He chose to need us. He entered into this covenant relationship. And covenant, we'll explore covenant more uh, this semester, but covenant is about a two-way interlocking relationship. In other words, God made himself vulnerable to us by making a covenant with us. And that vulnerability of love led him to the cross. But at the same time, as we're walking with him, there's things in our heart that grieve him. And they're kind of like that sucking candy. Oh, but he still walks with us. Oh, it's, it's, it's annoying me. It's bothering me. That what you're thinking, your attitude here, your pride here, it's hurt, it's bothering me, but I'm still going to be with you. And this is how the Lord is. There's a suffering. The Lord still suffers today. His suffering, it is finished, and he paid for our sins, but there is a still a suffering in God's heart with his people, but he loves us and perseveres with us. He doesn't reject us. How are we going? You are called to co-labor with God rather than work independently from Him. You go to 1 Corinthians 3.9. 1 Corinthians 3.9. And Paul describes his ministry. And this is how we need to go about ministry. At the end of the message, I'll share the last portion of the prophetic word that the Lord gave me on the Sunshine Coast. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. It says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. But another way to translate that is, For we are God's co-workers. We are God's co-laborers. In other words, we're working with him. He is the one who's bearing the brunt of the burden in that yoked relationship as we pull the plow of his kingdom. For we are God's co-laborers. You are God's field, God's building. So we have been chosen to work in sync with God together with him. We, are we have been chosen to work in sync with God together with him. And so when I, I'm preparing teaching, when I'm preparing uh, whatever ministry I'm doing, this year I'm being more conscious to think I'm doing this together with God. I am not doing this independently. And so, Lord, I submit my heart to you. Work with me. Work through me. Work in me. Give me your words. Let me not do this alone. I'm depending on you. And what I find is when I do that and when I'm conscious of doing that, uh, there is a greater joy. It's the joy of the Lord. There's an enjoyment. Ah, this is, this is, oh, I'm enjoying this again. And what last year tried to do to me with different things is tried to suck the joy out of me. Try to steal the joy, though I've always tried to fight for it. I did. But uh, this is what life will do. It tries to suck the joy out of you. Where does our joy come from? It doesn't come from ideal circumstances. 
It doesn't come from everything going right, though I hope things go well with you. But our joy comes from Jesus. He is our joy. And so when we're working with him and walking with him, we are enjoying that fellowship. And it strengthens us because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Here's the thing. We're tempted to do good and religious things, even ministry work independent of Jesus. In other words, we plow without being yoked to Jesus. So imagine pulling a plow all by yourself. That plow is heavy. They have these big metal plows, and that plow or it could be wooden. That plow, if you were pulling it all yourself, that plow would be so, so heavy. But when Jesus, who is almighty God in the flesh, is pulling that plow with you, it's easy. My yoke is easy. It's still work. Yes, but my yoke is easy because he is all-powerful. So that's why we need to watch out that we don't get a yoke to the wrong people because when you get yoked to the wrong people, you get completely drained and angry with God. When it wasn't his fault all along, we chose to unyoke ourselves from Jesus to yoke ourselves to somebody else who is not walking with Jesus or it's all about Jesus in word only but not deed. Do you see that? So the great lesson every man or woman of God must learn is to stay in step with Jesus. Letting him set the pace. Letting him set the pace. This pace is not too slow or too fast. Instead, it's in sync with the Lord. And for each one of us, there'll be a unique pace. So if you are sick or recovering and your body is not so well, the Lord is going to walk a little slower with you. But somebody who is... Strong and healthy like Daniel Mack. The Lord says, come on, pick up the pace, Daniel. <laughs> let's go, let's go. So for each one of us, he's bringing us on a certain pace. And a church like this, uh, God doesn't want us to rush. He knows all of our needs. He doesn't want us to go so slow. So there's a, there's a pace for us as a church and I like what it said, Jacob says in, in Genesis, some of, uh, some of the flock and some are weak, so we need to walk at a slower pace than Esau. And as, as a church, we're not meant to rush it. We're not meant to try to be like Hillsong or uh, try to be like uh, Bethel or try to be like some of these big churches. We are who we are. We're church on the park. And we're not going to take a whip and crack it over you. I'm not saying that these places are. Say, and try to be like that. We're going to be who God has called us to be. And that is to enjoy Jesus. We want to enjoy Jesus. We want to enjoy Jesus together. We want to praise him and love him and keep it not too complicated so that this could be, when you come on Sundays, this could be a place of rest and recovery and revival. And so we can go out into the week with that life. Last week we looked at the temptations of Jesus. 
Uh, it's, it's in Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11. Now, I won't turn there for the sake of time, but what is Satan trying to do in these temptations? He's trying to get Jesus to operate independently of the Father. Like, turn this stone into bread. Well, Jesus could do that, but it wasn't what the Father wanted. And then he wants to get him, and this is where he tempts him with a miss. Use of Psalm 91, the angels will take charge of you. He, he brings them up to the top of the temple and throw yourself off the temple and the Lord will care for you. He will, the angels will guard you. But that's not what the Father wanted them to do. And Jesus said, do not test the Lord your God. See, when we get independent of the Father, we start to test the Lord. He's patient with us, but let's not, Test him. <laughs> Let's not test his patience. The other thing is I see this happening today in our society is everybody's throwing themselves off the temple. In other words, I'm going to do this Christian walk without, without the house of God, without the church. So they're throwing themselves off the temple. And God will protect me and God will care for me. It's just about me and Jesus. It's a wrong understanding of me and Jesus. But uh, the Lord will be with me. And everybody's throwing themselves off the temple today, expecting that God is going to pick them up. And what they're doing is they're testing the Lord because God has called us to live in community together. He's called us to be together with his saints. And yes, that is trialing because at times we annoy one another and at times we hurt one another. But this is where we learn how to forgive. This is how we learn how to grow this is how we learn more of the heart of Jesus, that we need more of his meekness and humility. Are you with me here? We're coming to a close soon. So what Satan is trying to do is he's trying to get us to unyoke from Jesus. And what he was trying to get Jesus to do was to unyoke from his father. Again, the big temptation for us today is who will we be joined to? Who will we be yoked to? And you want to be yoked to Jesus and joined with those who love Him with all their heart. Satan doesn't mind Jesus doing miracles. He doesn't mind us doing miracles as long as we're not listening to the Father and being dependent on Him. That's the devil's mindset. When we stray from dependence on the Father, we test God. But thankfully, the Father is patient with us. So this brings me to the second point and pretty much the last point here. And that is, and you've heard me say this over and over, dwell intimately with Jesus and he will intimately dwell with you. And it comes from John 15, 1 through 8. And one of the passages of Scripture that helped me the most during our break, we had a month off as a church. We never did that before. And I have felt, even though there's battles in that time, I've, it was a blessing to me because I spent that time pressing into God. And, and one of the passages of Scripture that helped me the most while we were on break was John 15, 1 through 8. And so I did a fresh translation of it. And I've got a black and white copy of it, but you'll, you also can find the colored one 
uh, and I blew it up. The extra, it's the large print. It's the large print, and I'm going to pass it out in a second. But you can also go to brisbanefire.com slash infographics and get, uh, get the colored version, and it looks better. But I'm going to pass it out in a second. Now, here's the thing. I can't control how people act toward me. I can't control how people act toward me. I can't control how people act toward this church or our ministry. And neither can you control the people that are around you and your family and how they act towards you. But what I can do is I can be proactive about being intimate with Jesus. And I am promised that that connection with Jesus will bear much fruit. Are you there? Are you with me? So I can't control how people act toward me, this church or ministry. I can pray for them. I can be kind toward them. But I can't control them. But I can be proactive about being intimate with Jesus. And I am promised that that connection will bear much fruit. So that's what I was focusing on in the break, dwelling with him and doing what he moves me to do. And so, so uh, part of that was making a fresh translation of John 15, 1 through 8. And just before I'll, I'll read this, then I'll, I'll read uh, the last portion of that prophetic word the Lord gave me on the Sunshine Coast in the windstorm. And today it's windy. Uh, but it was stronger. It was even stronger in the Sunshine Coast. So we'll pass this. Just take one and pass it around, please. And the ch children can have it too. And I'm going to read this to you. And then I'd encourage you this week, take this with you, put it in your Bible, or, or download the infographic. Uh, it's, color, it's color. And... With that downloaded infographic, you can read it and meditate on it. So as a church, I'd like us to meditate on this John 15, 1 through 8. So I'll wait till, how's it going? It's getting around there. I should have made two. If I was smart, if I was smart, I would have broke up the pile into two, gave it to this side and that side, and it would be around quicker. John 15, 1 through 8. I am the real grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up, caring for it. On the other hand, he prunes every branch that does bear fruit, making it more fruitful. Already you've been pruned. Cleanse through the word I've spoken to you. Dwell with me intimately, and I will intimately dwell with you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit alone, it must be intimately connected to the vine, so you cannot bear fruit unless you are intimate with me. Of course, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I am the grapevine, you are the branches. Those who dwell with me intimately are those I intimately dwell with. The ones closely connected to me bear much fruit. Realize that without me, you have no power to produce anything. If someone does not stay intimate with me, they dry out, wither away, and fall off the vine. 
The gardener gathers these dry, dead branches and throws them into the fire. They're useless. If you remain intimate with me, letting my solid sayings dwell with you, dwell within you, you may ask what you desire, and it will become a part of you. This is how you glorify my Father, bearing much fruit and becoming my disciples. So that is one of the things I've been working on. And I could comment on it. Uh, there's certain parts where I could comment, comment on it. But I'm just going to leave it like that today because I've been sharing a while. And I don't want to overload you because we've come to Jesus to be revived and restored. But I'd encourage you to meditate on that and as you do, and put it into practice. That's where the power is. So my last point, which is just quickly in passing as we are about to stand up. Lastly, dwelling with Jesus means you will dwell with his people. It's a point I've already made. But dwelling with Jesus means you will dwell with his people. So in other words, you'll be working together with authentic branches of the same vine because God's people, we're all a part of the same vine. Are you hearing me here? We're all a part of the same vine. Remember, Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, so it takes two. It takes us being together. Dependence on Jesus will lead to interdependence with God's people without the problem of unhealthy codependence. So independence, oh, sorry, dependence on Jesus. Dependence on Jesus will lead to interdependence with God's people without the problem of unhealthy codependence. And God has called us to work together, but our working together only works if Jesus is the constant and continual source of our lives. So we're not making each other an idol. We're not uh, exalting each other above Jesus and looking to the other person for our source and our security and our love. We're looking to Jesus for our love, and then we're sharing that with others. So we got to watch out for that unhealthy codependence, and yet God wants us to have a healthy interdependence with one another in the body of Christ. Because, we're again, we're all part of the same vine. Amen? So this is the, let me finish with this last part of this prophetic word. And you can get this, I always have detailed notes, almost always have detailed notes of these messages. And you can go to brisbanefire.com, and Gideon helps me. After we go home, we work on getting it uploaded, and Gideon helps me, and you can get... Oh, is that okay? Low battery. Uh, low battery, thank you. Thanks. So that means, hey, we got to finish soon, so we will finish soon. Um, and you can see it all. You can get the notes. You can download it, and you can read this. So let me read this to you. This is the Holy Spirit speaking to me, through me, I believe, of course, you need to test all prophecy with the Word of God, Scripture. Expect, so the Lord, the last thing that the Lord was saying to me, expect great and many salvations. Make sure every hand is on deck. Each one in the body needs to work as a team in my fellowship. Expect to be carried wider and further than ever before. Those who listen to me will grow fast. 
but those who don't listen will be blown away. For I am exposing all facades, fakers, and frauds. You cannot accept any hypocrisy within you. Like an eagle in a storm, learn to harness the wind to go higher. Now you will see from my perspective, things will go well for those who listen. Remember Psalm 91. The church will grow now, but it will grow with real growth. It will be the kind of growth that comes, sorry, it will be the kind of growth that has its grounds in intimacy with me. I'll read that last part again. That's the end. The church will grow now, but it will grow with real growth. It will be the kind of growth that has its grounds in intimacy with me. Well, amen. Let's all stand, and we're going to let's all stand, and we're going to pray. Siri recorded everything I said there. <laughs> Had it in the. Yeah. So in conclusion, it takes two. So dwell intimately with Jesus, and he'll intimately dwell with you. And don't forget to work as one with his people. We're all part of the same vine. Can, can I hear an amen? amen? Have you received something from the Lord this morning? I hope you have. I have also. And Father, we just want to come to you. Just before we come to the communion table, we want to come to you and thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we have a partner, a friend, and he's our Lord and he's our boss. And even though he's our boss, he's in the fields with us plowing. He's not at a distance saying, you go and do this and I'll watch you. But no, he gets in the fields with us and he plows with us. And he's our partner. He's our friend. And we thank you, Lord, for that friend, friendship, that mateship. And all throughout Scripture, there's that mateship as you've sent your disciples out two by two. And I want to pray a blessing on this congregation to know and those at home to know that intimacy with you, that sweet nearness of Christ, to know your humble and gentle heart, that you're not forcing things, but you're working things in us patiently, kindly, gently. You're working your word within us. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness toward us. And I'm praying for all the ministries, Father. We're, we're praying for Daniel and Diane as they prepare to go out on the road. We lift up the J.C. soldiers as they have just begun that there would be a great joy in their ministry and many people would find freedom and salvation this year through them. Lord, I lift up everyone, everyone that's ministering here and helping, the whole, the whole body here. Father, cause your face to shine on this vine. Cause your face to shine on this vine and let it be luxuriant, let it bear much fruit. Let the fruit be sweet and mature and full of juice and bring healing and life to many. Thank you, Father. We're just looking forward to what you're going to do in 2022. 
We're looking forward to what you're going to do. Let's just spend a, a moment uh, just worshiping, responding, coming to Jesus, and then we're going to come around the communion table right after that and have communion together.